the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Podcast episode number 241. I am your host Dustin, and today I have with me. This is Ed. And this is Admiral Ray Sloan. We are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of January 14th through February 3rd. We have a total of three books to cover this episode, including an annual that released for Detective Comics, and we do have some news. So let's jump straight into that news. So real quick, before we do that, there was two new last week in the Bat Caves. I strongly suggest that you check those out. If for anything other than just to appreciate some of the art that the artists are teasing and coming up on some of their future projects... Next thing we've got is TBU by the numbers posted for the month of December. If you are interested in seeing how sales were for books in general, as it goes, both issues of Batman continue to stay on the top of the Batman Universe books. Doomsday Clock was actually the top book for the month, and Dark Knight's Metal was number two, but those are technically DC Universe books, at least the way we classify them. Creature of the Night actually didn't do so bad considering... The type of book that it is sold about 30,000. Batman White Knight, issue number three, sold around 72,000 issues, which is really good for a miniseries. And then some of the books that continue to have issues as far as whether or not they will continue on. We know that Ragman and Bane Conquest and Gotham City Garage, all those are going to be coming to an end here in the next couple months. You know, even though those are on the bottom of the charts of what we cover, those are already expected to be ending, so there's nothing there. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, unfortunately, is sitting at about 16,000, along with Batwoman at 17, Batman Beyond at 18, and then Batgirl's sitting at 20, and then from there it goes up. But those are the ones that are sitting below that aren't either a mini-series or a special or some sort of digital first series. Those are the series that are sitting at 20 or below that are in risk of something happening. Now, I, I will say this. I've enjoyed what's been going on in Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. I've had issues with a variety of different story points in Batgirl, but I do feel like maybe they're giving them a two-year run on each book, and then maybe they're going to shake it up, which means we could see those books shaken up sometime this summer because they'll be hitting their, you know, their two-year mark. That's not to say that I don't want creative teams to get as much time as they want but something has to occur in order for the sales to jump back up and that doesn't tend to happen once it gets below a certain point it doesn't like double sales sales don't just double overnight if the creative team changes so these books are fairly low where i could see some sort of situation where maybe they decide to relaunch birds of prey and do it as just birds of prey instead of background the birds of prey just change the name and then you know maybe change something around i don't know what it is but i mean that's it's not my job to figure out what it is either but if they were to do that you could see the the book go back up to thirty thousand, depending on the creative team and then it would slowly gradually go back down but it'll get that pop from the number one which you know i'm not a huge fan of doing that but at the same point i'm not sure how a book that's already sitting at about sixteen thousand can actually rebound and get back above that 20k without some sort of like crazy crazy thing because it doesn't really tend to happen so 
even a creative shift is it won't bring up like i like i i mean batwoman isn't the greatest comic book but i kind of like that book and i mean when you're below 20 that's kind of it man and that stays true for other books too because like the the best example of creative team changing does not really mean that the sales are going to go up justice league just went from being almost practically unreadable in my opinion personal opinion that is and i'm not speaking for anybody else when i say this but I didn't like Justice League and what was going on in Justice League. Um, the stuff that uh, after the tie-in for Dark Knight's Metal, there uh, Christopher Priest took over the yeah Christopher Priest took over the title, and now it's actually it, you know it's I won't say it's like amazing by any means, but it's actually readable. I'm enjoying it to a degree. So it it's one of those things where even though the story has a completely different mindset as far as what they're trying to accomplish the sales haven't changed it hasn't like you know the sales haven't changed just because the creative team changed on the book so that being said hopefully something happens because the last thing i want to see is a bunch of number ones now i say that specifically because of one specific reason now this isn't specifically batman comic news but there was an announcement recently so if you are unaware or you don't keep track of the other stuff happening in the DC Universe, Action Comics is going to be getting its 1,000th issue um, in April. It'll actually be in the beginning of April, and it's this massive book that's going to have all kinds of stories from all kinds of creators and things like that. Brian Michael Bendis, if you are unfamiliar with his work, he was a longtime writer over at Marvel, was behind launching the Ultimate Universe and things like that. So he was a prominent figure. Picture Scott Snyder jumping ship to Marvel after spending 10 years over here, or well, it's been longer than 10 years, but a long time over at DC. Yeah, so he jumped ship and he's come over to DC now, and his first story that he's going to be doing is a story in that Action Comics 1000 issue, and then it was revealed a couple days later that his first major project that's not just a single story is actually going to be he's going to be in charge of the superman books starting in may when they launch a mini series the other books will go on hiatus and then in july superman will be renumbered with a number one and action comics will pick back up with 1001 and he's going to be telling stories in both books and superman and action comics will become monthly books instead of twice per month so the thing is I'm wondering if we could see other books change to go monthly too, or if it's they're just going to keep it. There's bound to be some announcements coming very soon here. I'm expecting some this week, possibly next week too, because solicitations are still about two weeks out from the time we're recording this. So I'm expecting there to be some more announcements as to some of the changes that are coming. We've got some things dealing with some changes coming to Justice League but the reality is there's going to be changes across the board with a lot of different books, and I feel like summertime is going to be the time where we're going to start to see a lot of things happen with some of these lower-selling titles. Well, with Superman going monthly, the list of bi-monthly – the Superman universe, I should say, with Superman in action, the list of bi-monthly books is getting smaller by the minute because now what do you got left? Wonder Woman, Justice League, and the Batman titles? that it? Well, there's Suicide Squad – there's the Batman titles, there's Justice League and Justice League of America, which are both, they are dying, we'll get to that in a minute, and then, yeah, and then we've got Batman Detective and Nightwing are the only ones, and Harley Quinn, and that's it. So, and I could honestly, and, and there was rumors, Jessica had said that she was talking with a bunch of the artists that were on some of the 
the books when she went to that convention in Brazil back in December, and she had said that some of the artists heard that there was rumblings that Nightwing was going to go monthly instead of twice per month, and then it just didn't happen. I could see Harley Quinn, now that Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti are off the title, I could see that book going monthly too. Not to say that Frank Terry can't do two issues per month, but we'll just have to wait and see as far as what actually happens. But it doesn't make any sense to have basically all these books stopping doing twice per month, and then all of a sudden the only books that are still doing it is Harley Quinn, Batman, and Detective Comics. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, the problem is that I don't see Detective Comics letting up until they get to their 1,000th issue, and then maybe it'll change after that. And honestly, at the rate that Tom King wants to go, by he wants to get to 100 issues, I don't see him wanting to go down to monthly either. So maybe the Bat books do stay monthly, but just Detective and Batman for the time being. Who knows? Let's find out. All right. So anyway, sales numbers, if you're interested in them, just can put those together. They are over on the site. I find them interesting. I know I'm not the only one because when I do post them on Twitter, some people comment on them and things like that. So if you are enjoying those sales numbers, be sure to leave a comment just saying, hey, I appreciate these sales numbers and all the work that goes into putting those together. All right. So next up, there was a slew of interviews that we had. Josh attended DC and DC 2018, which was, if you were unaware or you didn't hear us talk about before, there was a small, I wouldn't even call it a convention, it was more of like a, an event that DC put on in Washington, D.C. over the weekend of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and they had a number of different panels that they did that they hosted with different things, talking about like the LGBT community, uh, feminism and comics, talking about equality amongst all the characters in, in comics and things like that. And there was a bunch of different things that they basically talked about, but the idea was it was around, it was based around the idea of equality. There was some stuff having to do with feminism. There was stuff having to do with sexuality and race and things like that. So the idea was there was a large group of panels that were held. They also debuted, they launched the pilot for Black Lightning. They also did uh, the premiere for Batman Gotham by Gaslight. So there's a bunch of stuff. Josh attended along with his intern or as he refers to as the TBU intern, and they were able to talk with a number of creators. So I'm not going to go into the details of every single one of these interviews, but there are some really cool things to check out. He did talk with the Bensons, the Benson sisters, about their work on Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. And one of the things that they talked about that would be maybe of interest to some people is that they believe that Poison Ivy deserves to have her own standalone series. Gwett Bennett talked about Batwoman as well as Bombshells United. And then there's an interview with John Ridley talking about an upcoming book that he's doing called The Other History of the DC Universe, which is focusing on, the best way to put it is like forgotten characters, characters that aren't used in a normal manner all the time, and specifically how that relates back to the Batman universe is some of his characters that he's playing using are Renee Montoya, and he also talked about using Vixen, Jon Stewart, Katana, potentially Black Lightning and his daughters, so there's a bunch of different characters that he wants to focus on that they're not as popular as other characters where they're not going to warrant a miniseries about or something like that, but he wants to focus on this. There's no word on when exactly this series or miniseries or however it's going to actually be published is going to be coming out. They just said sometime in 2018, so I'm guessing it'll probably be towards the end of the year, but that was also a pretty good interview, so definitely check out those interviews if you have the time. The next thing I want to talk about is the solicitations before we get into some big announcements. So the solicitations came out for the month of April, 
There's not a whole lot of news. Basically, this is like the lull right before the news comes. But in Batman 44, we find out that the date for Bruce and Selina's wedding is is set. So they're going to be doing some sort of time-traveling story with Booster Gold for a short couple issues. Batwoman commands an army, and Tim Drake goes down dark paths in the months Batman Eternal chapters and Detective. Batgirl starts a new story arc in her solo title, while Full Circle continues in Birds of Prey. The many arms of death descend upon Gotham and Batwoman. We also see Harley Quinn wrap up her story arc with the Penguin and starts a new story with the Gang of Harleys. Nightwing follows up the Untouchable story arc with a pair of standalone stories featuring Damien and Penguin pops up over in Red Hood and the Outlaws. We also see the arc continue in Batman Beyond. Justice Lost and Dawn for Time wraps up in Justice League and Justice League of America and Titans Apart gets their usual issue as well as an annual that month. Creator changes as far as that goes. Tony Daniels is going to be returning to the Bat Books. He's going to be taking over art on 45. There was an interview that he did that I read that was talking about how he had wanted to work with Tom King for quite some time and this was just the opportunity to do it. So at this point, David Finch isn't on the books to be doing any bad books for quite some time, so either he's moving on to something else, or they are planning some massive thing that's well beyond anything 20 issues later until he he pops up, because we know he's probably not going to be on the book until at least 51. And then there's a bunch of art duties that are going to be picked up over on Detective Comics, and as well as Batgirl and Harley Quinn, as well as the Nightwing one-off stories, all those are kind of feel like they're fill-in artists for the month. There are no new series starting off in April, but we will see Trinity end, as well as the second Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles miniseries conclude. Creature of the Night is yet again missing from the solicitations, leading us to believe that some change was needed to be made for the final issue. And then, as I said, Titans will begin an annual for the month, despite the fact that it's not a five-Wednesday month. That should spell something out there. Now, if you remember, March solicitations had two issues of Trinity, and that was also very strange. And then, of course, the next month we find out that it's not only getting two issues again, but it's getting canceled and it's it's done. So they clearly needed to have those four issues come out in only two months, and that's why it's happening. But that plays into probably what their plans are for the Justice League, and the teen-type books going forward. We'll get to that announcement in a second. Finally, some TBU characters that are going to be popping up in some other titles that we don't normally cover. Poison Ivy is going to be popping up in Damage, number four. Rosal Ghoul and Batman show up in the Dead Man miniseries finale. The question of whether or not Bruce is actually Damien's father is kicks off in a six-issue arc in Deathstroke. So if you are looking for solicitations, we have a gallery of some of the featured covers that are coming out in April and then the full list of everything that's coming out in April is over on the site so be sure to check that out now getting into some of the big announcements on January 26th there was a humongous announcement which is that coming this May there is going to be a series a mini series called No Justice now if you remember way back when Batman Lost came out there was a number of books on the bookshelf and on the bookshelf, there was all these famous titles of different Batman stories that we've seen. One of them that was on the shelf was called No Justice. That was clearly hinting at this. The idea behind this is that the supervillain Brainiac arrives on Earth with a dire warning for the Just League. There's a threat coming to destroy Earth, one that the heroes are ill-equipped to handle. Brainiac thinks he can hold the key to victory, but it means combining members of the League with some of the most dangerous villains in the DC Universe and sending them into battle against the extinction-level menace. The stakes are at their absolute highest. If one of these teams fail, 
it's game over. Now, Scott Snyder is going to be heading this up along with James Tynion and Joshua Williamson. Francis Manipool is going to be doing the art for the miniseries Just Like No Justice, which is a four-issue miniseries which will release weekly starting in May. This is also going to kick off some other stuff that's happening. They didn't announce it all, but Scott Snyder will be taking over the pages of Justice League, and Tynan and Williamson will be taking over some other series that have yet to be announced. Um, as of as of when we're listening to this now, there hasn't been anything else announced, but I'm guessing that those series probably aren't going to be starting until June, and that's why we're not going to hear about them right away, because they're getting just the stuff announced out of the way that's coming in May, and at this point, this is the big thing, and then the other stuff that's happening with Brian Michael Bendis over in the Superman books. So... The interesting thing is uh, there's a bunch of characters that we haven't seen as part of the Justice League who are going to be part of the series. There's also a number of villains that will be featured that I thought was kind of amusing. Starro is going to be out amongst one of these teams. Martian Manhunter is going to be back amongst the team. He just reappeared in Dark Knight's Metal. Um, we also have Etrigan, who's who's a part of one of the teams. Raven, Dr. Fate. We have Harley Quinn. Damien's on the same team as Harley Quinn. So there's a lot of different things that are going to be happening with this series but the most interesting thing is that Scott Snyder is going to be on Justice League. I mean, we knew he was going to be going somewhere after he got done with Dark Knight's Metal. We just didn't know where exactly he was going to be going. But he is going to be on Justice League. So what do we think about that? I think it's awesome. Well, I mean, obviously I would. But we had knew he had to go somewhere, and we knew it was going to be a relatively high-profile book. Didn't seem like he was going to come back to Batman. I heard some people talk about Wonder Woman. But this will be the first time he's been on a team book for any lengthy amount of time. We all know that one of the things that a lot of people didn't like about his run on Batman was that it wasn't a team aspect. I mean, he's focused on Batman, so it will be interesting to see him do a team book. I do like, and we know how he is for obscure characters, like an all-star Batman, how many obscure characters, you know what I'm saying, that we ran down the list of. With Justice League, I think we're going to be in for some real obscure characters coming back to the pages of Justice League. Definitely agree with that. A couple months back, I remember him like taking random questions on Twitter about saying, like, what characters would you like to see that you haven't seen focused on? And there's tons of people who are saying all kinds of different things. And I realized at the time that he was doing this because he was trying to get an idea of what people would like to see and what characters he could potentially work into his story or whatever. And that is clearly something that's happening here. The thing that I'm predicting at this point, based off of the fact that stuff for Tynan and Williams hasn't been announced, Joshua Williamson is on the Flash books right now, and obviously James Tynan is on Detective Comics. And the thing is, there's a massive event that's going to be kicking off in May in the Flash books called Flash War. Tynan is still obviously doing Detective Comics unless something changes that we are not aware of. But they mentioned that there's going to be some other series that are going to be announced at a later date. The fact that Titans is getting an annual in a non-five-month month, yeah, at the wrong time, means it feels like they're trying to blow past that. Now, none of those series were actually canceled, but I'm getting this odd suspicion that we're going to start to see books go on hiatus for a short amount of time at uh, different points in time um, with the with the Superman books having that having their own weekly series in the month of May. I think it's six issues that they're doing, so it's six weeks long. And then we've got this Justice League one. Justice League and Justice League of America, both creative teams have confirmed that their last stories are all wrapping up at the end of April, and they're, and they're done. They're not continuing. Christopher Priest is going to be off the title. He, unfortunately, because I, I do enjoy his work, his 
he unfortunately will be off of uh, Justly, but clearly it was. It seems like he was just coming in to fill in a specific amount of issues before Scott Snyder, because I'm sure they didn't say, Christopher Priest, you want to come on and do Justice League? And then they kick him off just a couple months later. And then Steve Orlando has been on Justice League of America for quite some time. Well, he's been on since the very beginning of the series launching, but it's still only been about just over a year since that series launched. So the thing is, those are wrapping up, and both creative teams have said that they're done after that. So those books, I'm guessing, Justice League and Justice League of America, I'm guessing are going on hiatus until June I'm guessing Snyder will take over. We already know that he's taking over Justice League, but I'm guessing that'll pick back up in June. Justice League America will be some sort of other Justice League title, but probably done by either Tynan or Joshua Williamson. I'm also guessing, based off some comments that Snyder has made, Titans and Teen Titans are going to play more into what's happening with Justice League and Justice League of America going forward. I don't know if that will go off and also include Suicide Squad since that's the only team book that's out there. But if Titans and Teen Titans relaunch with some sort of new creative team or something like that and tie more into what Scott Snyder's doing, that obviously that Snyder rub might do a little bit good things for sales on those books, at least depending on how they tie in. But that's my guess. I'm guessing that all of those team books are going to be doing some different things going forward and that's specifically why titans is doing that annual in a in a month that normally wouldn't have annuals as i can't think of any reason why they would drop a random annual into the mix you know yeah all right so that is that announcement the only other thing we've got is there was also an announcement just a couple days later from dc stating that normally if you're aware on free comic book day there is generally a free comic that is given away by dc normally hints it to some major event that's occurring for whatever reason, and I don't know if this was intended to be initially part of Free Comic Book Day and then it wasn't, but it just so happens that the Wednesday before Free Comic Book Day, DC will be releasing in comic stores for $0.25, not free, but $0.25, a new magazine called DC Nation Number 0, which will kick off a monthly magazine called DC Nation, where you will find out a bunch of news related to DC projects and things like that. And there might be hints or previews as, you know, to some upcoming events and things like that. They've tried this actually before. It was not very successful, I guess, for whatever reason, it just wasn't successful. I remember they had a magazine, but I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. They had a magazine that they were giving away for free, and that was where they showed off a lot of the stuff for this new age of hero stuff that's currently launching right now in comic shops with a lot of the artist-focused characters that they've created that we've seen Damage and Silencer come out already. There's some other ones. Snyder has one, too, the new Challengers of the Unknown series and things like that. There's a bunch of stuff that's coming out of that, but that stuff was hinted in some magazine last summer, and the magazine only, I think, lasted for two issues and then it was kind of canceled. Well, now it's relaunching again, and it's saying that it's going to be a magazine that's going to come out every single month, so we'll see. But the first issue is going to feature a peek at Justice League No Justice. It's going to give a peek as to what's going on with Brian Michael Bendis' stuff and his Man of Steel miniseries that's going to debut at the end of May. And then we also have the first look at Batman number 50, which is going to be telling a story about Batman and Catwoman's wedding, but Joker finds out about it and decides he needs to break up that wedding. So that is a peek at the series. That issue, Batman number 50, will help 
on July 4th. DC Nation, the Zero Issue, will also give a peek at the magazine version, which will be a free magazine available in print and digitally, and the first issue will hit stores on June 6th. I'm looking forward to this because it seems as if, especially if it's monthly, they'll be putting focus on different titles and things like that. Instead of just releasing solicitations once a month and saying, here's what's coming, it would be nice if DC actually did put together some sort of promotional stuff for their stuff. I do like that it's free, especially digitally. I mean, if they didn't release it in comic shops, I wouldn't be upset with that because I understand that it costs money to do this one way or the other. It's interesting that they chose to charge 25 cents for the Zero issue that has these previews in it. Digitally, you could still get it for free. It is what it is, but like I said, that DC Nation number zero is going to hit newsstands and on digital on May 2nd, so you can look forward to that. And I think they, they screwed up this last time because, like you said, they put stuff in that DC Nation thing and it wasn't happening for like eight months. Yes, that's true. Put stuff that's coming out like the next week or the next month, but not as a social conscience. We don't pay attention to stuff happening in six months. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Couple months down the line, three, four months, letting us know about stuff for, you know, just outside of where your solicitation window is, that's probably the best. But even, if, I mean, there's still the opportunity to focus on stuff and, and build anticipation for something that's happening next month. If the magazine's coming out in the beginning of the month, if there's something happening in the pages of, let's say, Nightwing or Batgirl that's happening, you know, in the middle of the month, there's no reason you can't do some sort of promotion towards something like that or feature different interviews with with some of these creators and things like that. I mean, that's the one thing I feel like there's a lot less of nowadays is there's a lot less interviews unless they're like massive, you know, hour-long interviews on podcasts. You don't see as many interviews with creators as you used to. And that's unfortunate because that's where you would find out like these little tidbits about hints and things like that. And now you just have to kind of like stay glued to social media to try to find that stuff. So, all right. So with that, that is all the news. Be sure to check out Last Week in the Batcave. Um, there'll be new ones over the next two weeks for you to check out, so be sure to check those out. Outside of that, let's jump straight into our comic book reviews, and our first book is Batman. Batman the Betrayer, number 39. The subtitle is Betrayer, but it might also be called Super Friends, part 3. Written by Betrayer Tom King. Interior Arts by Betrayer Joel Jones. Colors by Betrayer Jody Belair. Really, the only thing you need to know about this, people, is that Bruce and uh, Batman and Diana, Batman and Wonder Woman, had made a pledge to a man called the Gentle Man to basically give him a break in this little other dimension that he fights an onslaught of never-ending hordes of beasts. And so they go off to do this. Meanwhile, the gentleman is with Selena, and they talk about family and things like that. And it's got this sort of time and space paradox, such like you would see in Fantastic Four, where the timelines don't necessarily align. So it's been a little bit of time that they've been away in the real world, I guess I'll call it, with Selena. But in this beast world, they've been fighting for a very long time. And uh, why I call it a betrayer is because really all you need to know is that at the end, it looks like Bruce is going to kiss Diana. I don't even know what to ask right now. I guess in terms of where we are in this story arc, not only the larger picture of the engagement, but with the super friends... 
does this seem like it's in line with with what we're what Tom King is initially wanted to set out to do? Does this seem like yes, you're still reading the same story, or have we taken a bit of a left turn and maybe we will write the ship? later on is this a one shot i mean what are your feelings going in in regards to this particular story going into this i had no idea what to expect i did see some of the art ahead of time showing off some crazy detailed stuff by joel jones i also remember seeing the batman and the crazy armor student thinking what the heck are they doing i also remember reading something about the gentleman and saying that this guy was a creation that, that tom king came up with um but i didn't know really know what to expect because i didn't know what they were going to do because this is part of that Super Friends arc that they're trying to tell, I figured it was just going to be Batman telling Wonder Woman, hey, I'm engaged, because that seems to be what he's doing right now. He's just going around telling everybody he's engaged, and he just happens to help them out or just interact with them on a larger scheme than just, hey, everybody, I'm going to do a group text and tell everybody I'm engaged, which would probably be a heck of a lot simpler and go a lot quicker, but... Tom King is clearly just trying to show that there's, you know, he has different relationships with different characters and he's trying to explore the relationships with the other characters. And that's probably why they're divvying it up and showing these like short stories that focus on Batman just dealing with somebody specific. So last arc, it was Superman and Lois Lane to a degree. This arc, it's Wonder Woman or the one before that. We saw him interacting with Talia and things like that. So Needless to say, it's just him interacting with a variety of different people and their reactions to the fact that he is now engaged. So going into this, didn't know really know what to expect other than I figured some kind of crazy shenanigans was going to happen just because of the, the some of the art that I was seeing. But didn't really know what to expect because honestly, we don't see Wonder Woman really interacting with Batman on a normal basis Outside of just the Justice League and things like that, we do see that a lot more in with, with Superman and Batman, but we don't see it as much with Wonder Woman. So I went into this not knowing what to expect. I didn't expect what we got. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess I got to kind of echo Dustin's thing. I kind of we saw this Super Friends was just like, uh, and I think it's kind of started like that. Like the, the almost kind of fun scene at the beginning where she turns on the bat signal and that's kind of fun. And she's like, Oh, it'd be cool. You know, I could use the jail communicator, but the, I mean, so I'm like, okay, it's going to be this. And then we got what we got, especially that last scene was like, what? Yeah. And you know, this is sort of like a magical mystery tour of some sort or, you know, like going around. Uh, but also I think a little more deeper than that is the fact that these interactions should somehow strengthen the relationship that he has with Catwoman. At least that would be my assumption. I mean, that's certainly, I feel like, how it worked out with Superman. I think both of those relationships were, were deepened. But then we come over here, and that's not necessarily true. I mean, a magical mystery tour is lovely. I wasn't expecting it to take place in this otherworldly realm. And I was trying to look up to see if this The Gentle Man was created beforehand but i believe that he is an original character mainly because the only thing that i kept seeing was the gentleman ghost and i'm like no that if i wanted the gentleman ghost i would have typed in the gentleman ghost so yes no this was not what i was expecting i thought maybe it'd be a couple more issues with superman but i guess that's not how it goes my next question is in regards to that final betrayal on the final page and it's basically this do you think that they're going to kiss is question number one. 
Question number two is, if they do kiss, how will this impact the Catwoman-Batman relationship? So, here's the thing. You said that you thought that the whole point of these stories was to strengthen or teach us something about the relationship between Batman and Catwoman. And I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, that's exactly what he's trying to do with this. And that's why I think that they're not going to kiss. Now, it's important to to point out that the the whole reason that they could potentially have something happen between them is because they have been in this universe for the time frame of like 15 years or 10 or 15 years or something like that. 10 or 15 years in this universe has, has passed. They don't age. They don't, you know, nothing actually happens. But in the our normal world of the DC universe... There's only been like 10 minutes that have passed, and it's like every minute a year passes or something like that, where they are experiencing these hordes of creatures coming at them. They could die at any moment, and you know the whole point is he's building up the stress. He's building up the fact that they're in this extremely stressful situation. They can't just leave if they want to. They have to wait for the gentleman to come back in order to in order for them to leave so they could be there for a long period of time so the idea is that i don't believe that they're going to kiss but the reason behind that is i think the idea of what's what tom king is trying to do is that he is trying to point out that like time can mess up relationships time away like this is true of the we, we we you can see this in a lot of movies and tv shows that deal with soldiers going away they go overseas, they get deployed, and while they're deployed, their girlfriend ends up cheating on them with somebody else, and they come back and they've got nobody else. Now, that doesn't always happen, but it's a common trope that shows when you go off to battle, the person you leave behind is not necessarily going to be faithful. This is not that situation because it's reversed. It's reversed in the fact that Batman is the one who is, you know, he's the one who's going to be tempted because he's there with Wonder Woman. Let me say this, Joel Jones draws Wonder Woman to... <laughs> Be very, very tempting. I'll just leave it at that. But the idea is that if Batman is away from Catwoman for all this time, will he succumb to the desire of being with with Wonder Woman? Especially if Wonder Woman is has absolutely zero issue with doing something with, with Batman. And I think the idea is that Tom King's trying to show that, yes, time can really mess with a relationship... But in this regard, the relationship is being messed with with time. But will Batman, you know, will he stand true to Catwoman? And I believe that he's not going to kiss her and that he is, in fact, going to be true to Catwoman. It's going to show that he is true to Catwoman despite all of this time going by in this alternate universe. And in turn, it actually does strengthen their relationship. I get what you're saying. I don't know. I just do. I think that they will. I hope not. I mean, if they do, what's the point of this whole, like, Catwoman's? What are we doing here? You know, like, so I'm going to say I hope not. And, you know, Dustin, you make good points about the narrative, but this isn't a story. This isn't not a stop we needed to make on this story, in my opinion. You know, like, you could have done a billion things other than this. Like, they go to fight demons in a magical realm, and then they maybe start making out. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't think that, especially with the tone of the story and everything we've had, plus, like, this, I never like this extended time. So, Batman's going to come back with 15 years of memories. He hasn't seen her in 15 years, and they're just going to go back to normal. Like, the very real 
you know, 15 years of battling every day, the, 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 just the simple PTSD reality compact of this. Just, I don't know. This whole thing seems like a giant misstep and a mistake. And it's creating unnecessary drama, which is what I have an issue with because everything is fine. Like they clearly do have, I think, still things that they need to work out and hammer out in order to you know to get where they need to go but they don't need to throw like a sudden you know random person however much i might ship wonder woman and batman and like other media you know justice league and things like that maybe well actually both justice league justice league why action and then well, justice league cartoon i'm not going to ship them here when clearly he should be with catwoman so i'm also i'm with ed that i hope they don't kiss i just don't like that they're even put in that situation if he does kiss. I mean, it's not Batman's not the type of person who would lie about something or hide it. I guess it'll be interesting, more drama, to see how that couple deals with it once he comes back 15 years. Maybe all he has to say is, I was there for 15 years, and she'll forgive him. But, yeah, I just, ugh, I don't know. That's why this whole thing was a betrayal to me. But if it turns out to be the exact thing that I'm saying, then it wouldn't be a betrayal at all. He's just trying to prove that Batman is loyal. Yeah, but why, why do we even have to put yes. that temptation there? Because he's trying to show how strong their relationship really is. Oh, he leans in. If it were a strong relationship, there'd be no leaning. There'd be no 60-40, like they say in Hitch. But even more than that, or like the, the kind of funny stories, what fun we've had with them, is seeing the other Justice League people deal with Catwoman. I wanted to see Wonder Woman and Catwoman hang out. I've seen Batman and yeah, Wonder Woman Yeah, yeah, I've seen Batman and Wonder Woman hang out forever. I wanted mm-hmm. to see Batman... I would have rather have seen Catwoman and Wonder Woman fighting the hordes together. Yeah, kind of like introducing. Yeah, or, or Batman goes help up and her and Selena go shopping or something. I don't know. Like, just, I don't know. Just, it felt like, of all the stories we could have saw here, this one just felt like the one I least wanted to see. Dustin, you don't seem as beat up about this as we do. I don't, because I, I see what he's trying to accomplish here. I see what Tom King's trying to accomplish, and I think I saw on Twitter after the issue came out, well, one, Don reviewed the issue for the site, and he made the exact same comments that you guys are saying, um, saying that, you know, this he, he, this is unnecessary and it's not needed. And But the thing is, like, I, I see exactly what Tom King is trying to do, and I don't say that very often when it comes to these writers, because sometimes it comes, I don't, actually, I don't think I'd say that ever when it comes to this stuff, is I can see what he's trying to do. But, yes, I agree, the leaning in, it's its there to build the drama. Yes, it's unnecessary drama. But <laughs> the point of some of this stuff is to get people talking. I mean, like, quite honestly, this is, gonna, this is getting people talking. They're not happy about it. People were freaking out on Twitter about this whole situation with Batman and Wonder Woman after this issue came out. So, that being said, I reserve my judgment on this story arc until we get the next issue that's all i'm saying all right so batman i'm gonna give a total of three and a half out of five two out of five yeah two and a half out of five wow even with that amazing art all right over on the website don the gave it not three the out of five. should we talk about the art joel jones always is successful in that that's not the issue at it's all good. art's real good yeah, I understand that the art's real good, but the art makes up a significant portion of the comic book, I would say. Yeah, well, then we can say that Joelle Jones betrayed us as well because she's the one who drew them leaning in. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay, let's move okay. on. Uh, Batman is going to get a total of two and a half out of five bad rings. I can't believe that. But anyway, <laughs> moving on to our next title, we have Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 973, written by James Tynion IV, or by Jesus Marino. She starts off, months ago, Batman observes Red Robin constructing his new base, joking about the cost. They discuss the formation of the team, particularly in Clayface. Tim expresses great enthusiasm about the idea of rehabilitation and shows Bruce the prototype of the mudroom. He's excited about the chance to come back to Gotham and find his place after his strange time on the Teen Titans. The scene ends with Tim revealing the name of his new base to Bruce, the Belfry. Now in the present, Clayface has been driven back to evil by the victim syndicate and engorged with all of his material from the mudroom and goes on a building-sized rampage, destroying the Belfry so completely that not even its self-repairing abilities can fix it. On a nearby rooftop, Batwoman rescues Tim, telling Spoiler he has a concussion. Cassandra Kane is devastated after she managed to stop Basil's attack by appealing to their friendship. The destruction of the mudroom caused him to lose control and grow to such a monstrous size. Batman orders Spoiler to take Tim and Cass to Dr. October in Monster Town to get the cure she's been developing. He then works to draw Clayface after him in the same direction away from the city and civilians. The first victim watches, rejoicing at the anticipation of Clayface's slaughter of the citizens of Gotham. Anarchy is not pleased and appeals to their formerly shared goal of freedom, but victim reveals that they just care about the destruction and death. Lonnie rejects this evil and attacks the victim, though their personal energy shield stops his initial strike. Batwing and Azrael, recuperating from Clayface's attack in the sewers, get to Luke Fox's tech lab, and Batman asks them to send out all the bat robots Luke has available under Azrael's Batman AI-empowered control to assist in the fight. Over in Monster Town, Tim continues mourning the loss of the Belfry and all he worked for as Steph comforts him. Dr. October explains the cure to Cass. She must inject it into Clayface's brain, which will contract all of his matter into his human form. This process will allow his mind to reassert itself, but only for a short time. Because of all the mass he has absorbed, so they'll have to hope that once the cure gives him his mind back... It will extrapolate back when he is forced to expand in size and accommodate his material. As Cass heads out, Anarchy arrives, bringing an unconscious first victim. He says that he sent out a signal to all the civilians who were being manipulated by the victim, telling them to go home to safety. Steph hugs him, and he tells her that she, that he's leaving. She says that she's where that she needs to be right now, and Lonnie gives her a flash drive with information about the first victim so that she and Batman can get the help that they deserve. As Clayface approaches Monster Town, Batwoman tells Batman that the cure isn't a good enough plan. She reveals her possession of the Clayface killer gun that her father gave her in the last issue, and Batman rejects the idea immediately. The Batmobile is sent flying by the mammoth Clayface, just as Cass manages to flip her way to his head and inject the cure. Basil shrinks to his original size and is horrified at what he's done. Cass tries to convince him that it's worth continuing to seek redemption, but he tells her that while she is good, he is not at his core. Over the comms, Kate tells Cass to close her eyes, and then she shoots Basil right through his head as Clayface begins to reassert itself. Okay, so... It's a real upper this month in the books, by the way. Oh, yeah. 
So I guess the the first thing we need to talk about is this betrayal, since that's the, I guess, the word of the day here on the podcast is betrayal, of Kate Kane. She basically has decided that she knows best, despite everybody else having another idea of how to, you know, take down Clayface. She knows best, and she decides to shoot him with the Clayface killer right right through his head, right in front of Cass. Thoughts on... I mean, obviously, they've been hinting at th- that this was going to happen and that I'm sure that this is the situation that future Tim was referring to that was going to divide the team because of her de- uh, of Kate's decision to do something. So the question is, we knew something was ha- going to happen and the gun was obviously foreshadowing the fact that that was probably going to happen. But now that it actually has happened and she's gone through with killing Clayface, what do we think about that? I mean, I, I this is, I guess what he was hinting at in the past Tim Drake centered issues. And we might even retcon ourselves out of this. I'm not saying that that, that Clayface as a character will be dead for all creation. We know that's not how it works, but even if he's not dead right now, and I, and I think that they're going to kill him for some time. I'm not sure how long, but even if he's not dead, her intention is murder, right? The other side of the coin is what are you really going to do? I mean, he's rampaging through the city. One could even argue when he is at, at his senses, when he is, understanding what he's done he almost wants to die so i'm not saying that her actions are totally unjustified um it's the old does the ends justify the means argument but um yeah i mean this is this is the event that's going to tear the team apart i you know i mean if the future events are to be believed at all kate did it with a weapon that her father gave her which batman was not happy about them being colony weaponry in gotham period much less the fact she actually uses it so i think that this this issue very much is going to be the beginning of the end and you know i'd like to see how i mean it's interesting that's for sure i didn't want it to happen this way i'm sad everything's falling apart for me in the batman universe talking about plummeting sales numbers and the back row books i'll be out of a job soon with back row oracle and then now we've got Batman about to cheat on Catwoman, and then we have this, Kate letting me down. And but I did tell you that Clayface was going to die in Cassandra's arms, did I not? So there we are. That was probably the that was a very emotional moment because Kate was saying, you know, please close your eyes, and then ugh, man alive. Yeah, I I don't like it. I I understand that we were being led to believe that this was going to happen. We were being told and told and told, but I just chose not to believe it, and I thought, nah, something else is going to happen, but it actually did happen. And it's a little strange, out of character in my opinion, because, you know, Kate didn't initially want to accept that weapon anyways, and so did it really get to such an extreme point that she needed to use that even though it would sort of betray her ideals so this is an interesting kate character moment and i'm still trying to figure out whether it's in line with what i think and know about kate or if it's not and i suppose she's always been on the outside not the outside but like the periphery of the batman group not necessarily wholly following along but this seems like we've just we've really jumped jumped a bit so i'm I'm concerned as a reader and as a fan. I mean, like Stella said, we we've saw this coming for a while. It wasn't something that we didn't see coming. But I thought that there might have been some sort of like swerve. Kind of actually slightly disappointed that there wasn't some sort of other swerve. And not to say that the next issue of Detective Comics 
couldn't have a swerve and we should be, you know, we're shown a, a swerve and maybe Clayface isn't actually dead. You know, we'll have to wait and see. But And then, of course, the team is still upset because the idea is she intended to kill him even if she didn't actually end up killing him or not. So the thing is, I'm slightly disappointed that there wasn't a swerve, but like I said, it could still be happening. That being said, we knew this we knew something was gonna happen one way or the other. It was foreshadowed multiple multiple different times. I mean, the warning from future Tim, the gun being handed to her from her father, so none of this was super unexpected. It was just it's hard to believe that it all actually went down the way we all thought it was actually gonna go down. I mean that's just that's the reality of it. It's just it's hard to believe that everything that we thought was actually going to happen turned out and happened just because i don't think any of us wanted to believe that the way we were all thinking was going to happen was it was going to actually occur that way so the other thing i want to talk about is clayface in general so initially when rebirth started and clayface was part of the team in detective comics i think we were all questioning initially why is he on this team what what this doesn't make any sense i think i think all three of us were very hesitant about the idea of him being on the team I know we have talked about this on multiple different episodes about the idea of is he on the team just to be like the fall guy? Is he on the team as a plot point? And yes, he was, but it did take almost two full years to tell that story. And and when a story like that takes that long to tell, it's it's it has to be a well-crafted story. Otherwise, you don't really care and you're just waiting for it to end. And honestly, we've seen other characters come and go on the team over the course of these last 30-something issues, almost 40 issues that Tynan has done since the beginning of Rebirth. But this one, we probably all knew was going to eventually happen, but it was one of those things where the character started to grow on us. And I know the character, you know, you, you start to realize that the character had heart. He did a really good job of building up the, the fact that there was a good side of Clayface, um, and it was just a matter of can he keep it in check and things like that. So there were some redeeming factors to bringing this character of Clayface into the story. And just looking back, because I honestly, even if there is a swerve and he's not actually dead, I doubt he's going to be part of the team going forward. I can imagine he's going to get locked up if he is still alive. And I don't feel like I'm going to bring this up in the future again. So the question is, after almost 40 issues of Clayface being on the team and it all leading up to this, do you think that the payoff was worth the inclusion of the character? Yeah, I mean, before, and trust me, this is the Clayface issue because we still got more to talk about, so I don't want to get into that part of it. But I do. I mean, honestly, this version of, of Clayface, some may refer to him as the ultimate Clayface, those continuity hounds out there. I didn't really like this one. I preferred the Matt Hagen one, to be quite honest with you. So this version was never a big you know, fan favorite of me. I mean, in the new 52, all of a sudden he'd be able to clone DNA. And I don't know. Just, I felt like that they did pretty well with it. And, and I think the, the biggest thing you can say is it went from a character that I really didn't care about to a character whose death actually, you know, it had a meaningful storyline. So yeah, I think it was worth it. Yeah. And I think it, for me, it's just worth it to see his relationship with Cass. And you know that I ship those two. But even on a non-romantic sense, it was very beautiful. You know, him helping her speak better because she, it wasn't lilting or uh, staccato or she wasn't having any difficulty when she was doing Shakespeare. And that, and she was helping him 
by, I think, really feeling accepted and, and getting to do something that he loved, which was, you know, acting and reciting lines. And, oh, it was so sad. And to see someone really struggle, I think, against his, his nature and, you know, regret the things that he had done. It's been, a, I think, a great storyline, and, and I'm sad to see him go. And you brought up a good point with Matt Hagen, and I have to wonder to myself if the idea is to just have Basil off the table for the foreseeable future and just have another Clayface. Because it's not like they haven't done this before. It's just after the New 52, Basil was the one who they chose to focus on. And at that point, there had been, I mean, there was Matt Hagen, there's been a number of, you know, there was the whole mud pack, you know, in the late 80s. So the thing is, it's not as if they couldn't do something. I mean, they clearly, and we're going to get into uh, the annual, and, and there'll be a reference that it pops up in the annual to lead us to believe that there's the potential for other clay faces. But the, I'd be completely okay if they they took him off the table. I mean, honestly, it would make it more like a lasting effect. You know, he doesn't have to be off the table forever, but just take him off the table for the time being. I think. And overall, over the last 40 issues, I think they've done an amazing job of like making us actually care about the character instead of just this ridiculous B-list villain, in my opinion, that was brought and put upon this team. So I'm glad to see that everything worked out the way it did. I mean, I, obviously, it's unfortunate that he had to get shot in the head, but at the same time, I think that story-wise, plot-wise, it makes sense for it to happen the way it did. And I think that despite my initial disdain for the idea of Clayface being on this team, I think that over the past almost two years, I think it was a worthwhile addition to the team. So that's that. All right, so Detective Comics, I'm going to give a total of four out of five. Uh, strong, four out of five, I agree. Yeah, I will agree with that. Four out of five. And Ian gave it four, so that's going to give Detective Comics across the board four out of five. Let's move into our next book, the Detective Comics Annual. Detective Comics Annual Number One. I was gonna actually check, but I forgot to. How many Detective Comics? Oh, oh, I'll I'll tell you right now because I did the math because I questioned it on Twitter because I was very curious about this. So there was initially there was twelve annuals with the initial Detective Comics run. In New Fifty Two, there was three, so this would have been Detective Comics Annual Number Sixteen. Why they didn't renumber it and have it be sixteen, I do not know. I left that question out on Twitter. A lot of people were saying that they thought it was probably because they wanted that number one rub to get some extra sales. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. It's unfortunate because what was the point of renumbering Detective Comics back to the original numbers if you're going to keep the annuals back at one? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, yes, this series has been around for 973 issues, everyone, but it's never had an annual ever, ever. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. I agree, but no, that was the only major spot of irritation for me was that number one plastic on the cover. And I'm, I'm going to use the wording they use, a James Tenyon and Eddie Barrows feature, which is how they listed themselves in the book. This issue opens up with young Basil Carlo talking to his father, who works in the makeup and monster design trade for the movies. Uh, he uses a special compound where he can mimic almost anything. Shocker. Uh, we then cut to Basil as a young and successful actor who is having dinner slash lunch, some kind of meal, with his agent. And he's aggressively pursuing a role in a movie called Second Skin. His agent doesn't think he should, doesn't think you know he's playing too much of the bad guys, going to get typecast. But he really wants to do this movie. 
Uh, we also see that he is dating slash talking to a PA. I'm assuming that's a personal assistant named Glory. Hmm. As he is driving, he gets a call that his dad is dead, uh, and he gets in a crash. And because of the news, this is a you know a PSA for don't talk on your phone while you drive, if nothing else. Uh, but he gets in a crash because of the news and is horribly disfigured. His agent and Glory are trying to make him feel better in the hospital, but he can't bear to look himself because he's now horribly disfigured, and he basically throws them out. He sneaks out of the hospital and goes back to his dad's place and uses the compound scene in the first flashback to make himself look normal again. He then shows up in a set where his agent is trying to convince the director that he's too disfigured to work, and he's got another one of his people that can take over for him. He kind of loses his temper. Glory tries to calm him down, but he just kind of snaps on her as well. Turns out they no longer make this substance anymore because uh, basically this is this is paraphrasing, but the FDA is you know said this is bad for you. So there is an old lab in Gotham City, shocker, that has them, and he goes there to steal them, and Batman arrests him. We didn't see him in custody at the hospital, and uh, the director is there from the movie and says that she was never going to fire him because of his looks, but is now going to fire him because he's uh, he's turning into a nut. Batman shows up and tells them that the substance is having an effect on him. If you use it too much, it will deteriorate your natural state. But now they have evidence against the manufacturer. At this point, Basil can turn himself state's evidence and do some good, and they're not pressing any charges on him. Uh, He passes on the chance to do good and tries to break into the evidence room where they're storing all this stuff so he can rebuild his face temporarily. A gunfight breaks out with the GCPD. The stuff catches on fire. The fire gets on Basil, and he turns into the clay face that we know from this current running detective. He then goes back to the set where they're filming the second skin movie and terrorize the people there. When glory tries to talk to him, he doses her in the same chemical compound that has turned him into Clayface. And then we have a closing scene with him and his father, where they see never the father tells him basically don't ever let them see you as a monster. So here's something I would like to discuss before we really get into this particular story. This is a a real radical change from the classic Clayface origin. As I'm sure you guys know, the original Basil Carlo uh, was just uh, killed people and didn't get powers to, you know, Dustin brought up the mud pack a little while ago, which seems to be something we've talked about a lot. But he didn't get powers to the mud pack. So he was originally was, you know, he was jealous because people were redoing his movies and he was going back as a serial killer with a mask on and killing him and then got his powers down the line and kind of became ultimate Clayface. Um, this is a real change of his origin. And I know that we've had since the new 52, we've had all kinds of major origin changes. And I was saying, what do we think of this new origin? And do we like it better than the original? Well, I can say that I like this better, no doubt, better than the new 52 origin, which was horrible, horrible. As far as the original one, I actually, I think I'd probably prefer this new one over that one as well. I think that this is a interesting take on it, and I don't necessarily have any issues with it. I mean, I am super happy about the fact that we get the explanation of where the heck Mudface came from, because we all know that I've complained about that multiple times over the course of the last couple months. So I'm glad to know that that was explained that being said, just I'll just leave it at this. Simple and, and sweet. This origin story, I think, just works better for the current times. Not to say that the original origin story is you know outdated by any means, but I think that this works well with the idea of actors you know being consumed with their looks and things like that. And not to say that that wasn't something that was true back then either, but I think that 
this works out well. I don't have any real big issues with this origin at all, and I think that it works out and it works out well. So I'd prefer this one over the other ones. I, besides the animated series, I don't. Besides what you have just said, I wasn't too aware. I think with this origin, I was, I think, somewhat aware, but didn't really go into depth of research there. So I, I like this one. I think, obviously, as is the trend with many recreation of villains in this new era of comics, I think there's more sympathy that's garnered for them. And luckily, well, I guess no. He does have a parent interaction because that was the other trope is that there's always something going on with the parent. But no, I'm fine with it. I think it's following the same trope that we've had that we need to care about the villains and feel a little bit sorry for them. But it's easier with this guy because we already liked him, potentially, as readers of Detective Comics. I don't think this is bad, but I... (sighs) I think it's just I have a soft spot for that original Clayface origin that he was using. The original Clayface was using makeup to disguise himself and didn't have powers, and he got the powers later in life. This isn't bad. It's, this is well-wrote. I'm not saying that. Uh, but I do kind of miss the old one. There's no doubt that this is a much more modern take on it. I, mean, I think you're absolutely right about that, Dustin. I mean, this is definitely a more modern take. And also, Basil Carlo was much older when he was Clayface because he was upset because people were remaking his movies. So he was much farther down the line in age. I know this, this seems more, although he's still an actor, him having his powers from the onset seems more like Hagen or Lady Clayface or something. doesn't speak like the Basil Carla. That being said, this is a definitive improvement over the new 52 version. And I can live with this. Um, I just always kind of had a soft spot for that classic uh clayface origin not that i ever thought it would be put back in continuity again but here's open and then we do get to see glory here and and dustin you kind of alluded to this a minute ago this is something that we've been wondering like where did mudface come from what's going on with this lady this is a long-term payoff all the way from i mean how long has it been since we've seen the 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 first victims thing going on now that's been a long over a year ago yeah over a year so this is a long-term payoff and is the juice worth the squeeze does this what <laughs> I have never heard that, but I get what it means. Yeah, is it you know is it is it worth squeezing all those oranges to get the orange juice? You know, so is it is this one worth it? Is it worth it? I don't know. I mean, uh, here's the thing. As I said earlier, I am glad that we got the explanation of where she came from because if we didn't, that would have been that would have been super. But I mean, we all realized it was probably going to be in this annual, and and it was. So I'm glad it happened. Was it worth it? I mean, I don't know. I don't know that it was really building up some sort of... I just It was just upsetting to me because I want to know who these characters are. And the thing is, Gloria more so than First Victim or some of these other characters because it feels like Clayface has gone out of his way to just completely apologize, say everything is his fault... I want to know why. Like, he just kept doing it. He was visiting her in Arkham. He apologized while they were fighting. Like, it just kept happening. And I just kept thinking to myself, why does this keep happening? You have to tell us why he keeps doing this. So I'm glad to see that it actually happened. Was was her, you know, the reveal of how she came to be worth it? I don't know. That, no, I, I wouldn't say yes or no. I'd say, like, it, it is exactly what it is it's it, we we learn how she became mudface but 
I don't think I like. I'm glad it happened, but if it happened some other way, I, w- I guess I wouldn't have cared. And it's such a quick scene; it's almost blink and you miss it because he just hits her, and you don't really even see the after effects of it. You, you're you're sort of left to fill in the gaps of what happened. But I think that's okay. Okay, I mean, it's sort of off-panel land. Are you sure that's okay? Well, you you can infer what happened though because she gets the stuff poured on her. We know that she becomes Mudface in the comics. It's not like like how much do we really need to go into this character that we're probably never going to see again until the next time the victim victim syndicate comes in. I think it depends on what their plans. Like I kind of agree with Stella with this. Like I wish that I'm not. I don't need a 50 page expose, but if the glory thing had happened five pages earlier, right? And we just got a, even a little setup of oh, did you see what happened to Glory? She got sent off to. Blackgate Arkham or what you know like even just a little bit of how did she how did she respond to this because we we saw how I think that would be the interesting thing we saw how Clayface responds you know he goes nut job and goes villain for 20 years or whatever it is I think it'd been interesting to see a parallel of her stuck with the same debilitating problem how does she deal with it even in the short term like I don't know I just think it would have been fun to see something like yeah but you could but see the thing is I look at it like this you could infer how that happened because the first time we're introduced to the character, she's part of this victim syndicate. We're told that all of these characters that are part of victim syndicate have some sort of desire or blame to put on Batman or, I guess, Batman's surrounding family team as Gotham Knights team, specifically with Clayface. And there's a reason why they've all come to be part of it. None of these characters were in jail initially. We saw them like attacking people, and then yes, they got caught, or some of them got caught and locked up. But they weren't. They, they could have just been out there amongst the world, and then just found each other, and then became that team. Like, yes, there is a story that could be told there, but I don't know that. Like the story of like she didn't end up in jail, so we don't know that she went crazy. She could have just ended up finding these people who also had issues with you know, these different deformities or whatever that they had, they've had it happen to them and then just linked up with them. And then because she was linked up with them, that caused her to do these bad things. I mean, yes, it could be, yes, it could be explained. Uh, There's no debating that, but I don't think it's necessary depending on whether or not we actually even see this character in the future of the, of the series ever again. I mean, like now that Clayface is potentially removed from the table, I don't know that she's necessarily going to be popping up all that often. Well, the victim syndicate's not over. It's true. It is not completely over. And it seems like Tynion's pretty set on it. We thought they were done before, and then they came back. But it's seeming to come across that Tynion is never actually done with anything. He has everything there for a reason, and it's going to continue as long as he needs it to. You almost just sold me on, to be honest with you, you... You almost just told me on why I want to see that story now. How does she go from the cute, nice PA to hooking up with the victim syndicate? Like, it's entirely possible that we do end up getting that story. I mean, like, we know that like the there was hints in Detective Comics that are like the the issue that I reviewed that 
they're not done with it. I mean, like Lonnie gives them the the team a flash drive so that they can help the first victim. So we're going to learn more about the first victim. There's the chance that you know we're going to learn about other characters because those other characters aren't removed from the team. I just the thing is, Mudface doesn't seem like it's going to play that big of a role because it seems like her entire role, at least for the last couple months, was just a person for you know a person that was there for. Basil to feel extremely guilty about. So now that Basil's not around, she's probably not going to be as focused on. That's not to say they couldn't show how she became part of the team, but it's definitely something where I'm sure that I'm sure we're going to learn more about the first, you know, the victim syndicate. I'm sure, I'm, I'm positive of that. Stella, do you have anything else to add on that? No. I mean, honestly, that's kind of it for me. This is the the origin story, the new origin of Clayface and the new origin of Glory. So that's what I got. All right. So I'm going to give this issue four out of five. Oh, man. I to agree with you twice in a row, but I, I, I do like it. Four out of five. Hmm. Three and a half out of five. I like how there's there's something wrong with agreeing with me two times in a row. Which is rare. <laughs> that's true. Uh, Ian gave it three and a half, so that's going to give the Detective Comics Annual number one, or as I like to refer to it, Detective Comics number Annual 16, a total of three and a half out of five bad ranks. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to the site for Greater Gotham. First up, on January 17th, Main TBU Books, where we talked about Batman number 39, Nightwing number 37. Nightwing remembers his early days as Robin, back to the first time he encountered the Judge. This is by Paul. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Uh, neutral. Abstain. Batwoman number 11, the, a little piggy took Julia. Kate beats the crap out of him and gets coffee or maybe tea afterwards. This is by Tony. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Harley Quinn, number 35. Harley wants to be left alone, but the gang just refuses to stop watching her as Harley goes on a mission to track down Tony. This is by David. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Abstain. Secondary TBU books, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, number 3. Batman tries to take advantage of the moment of weakness to take down Bane. This is by Paul. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Thumbs up. Super Sons number 12, the Teen Titans have to deal with the aftermath of Tim Drake's suicidal mission in the finale of the Super Sons of Tomorrow crossover. This is by Jessica. She gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Justice League number 37, the Justice League discovers that their greatest threat comes not from an enemy, but from an overzealous fan. This is by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. Sure. Thumbs up. Trinity number 17, the Trinity recount how they came to be in Scartarsis during their search for the hidden island of Themyscira. This is by Adele. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Neutral. And then secondary DC Universe books, Aquaman number 32. Batman appears in a brief flashback alongside the Justice League. Bombshells United number 10, which includes digital chapters 19 through 20. The bombshell versions of Batwoman, Question, Talia al Ghul, and Jason Todd all appear in the issue. 
Damage number one, Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Solomon Grundy all appear as part of the Suicide Squad in the issue. Injustice 2, number 18, digital chapters number 35 through 36. The Injustice versions of Batman, Batgirl, Black Canary, Catwoman, Harley Quinn, Alfred, Ace the Bat-Hound all appear in the issue. And then Superman number 39, Batman appears alongside the Justice League at the Watchtower. Moving over to January 24th, main TBU books, where we talked about Detective Comics number 973. Batgirl number 19, an unforeseen blizzard hits Burnside, leaving Batgirl to investigate possible foul play. Superman Adil, he gave it one and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral? Abstain. Batman Beyond number 16, Terry is able to save Dana during an attack from the Stalker, but finds himself pitted against his old ally, sent to kill him, so his people won't starve. This is by Bill, he gave it 2 out of 5, I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Abstain. Thumbs up. Secondary TBU Books, Nightwing, The New Order, number 6. As the series wraps up, the fate of Jake and his father are revealed. This is by Ian, he gave it 3.5 out of 5, I'm going to give this one a neutral. Yeah, neutral. Abstain. Scooby-Doo team-up number 34, which includes digital chapters 67 through 68. The Birds of Prey called Daphne, Velma, Scooby in for a bit of help with a giant bird problem in Gotham. This is by Ian. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Oh, oh, okay. There are some times that I swear you don't have a heart. And right then is that time. Right now is that time. Thumbs up. Yeah, I would hope so, but she says that kind of stuff to me all the That's time. That's true. All right. Main DC Universe books. Teen Titans number 16, after defeating a villain with Beast Boy and Raven, Starfire feels rejected for being too old for the team. Alone, she has to battle an enemy from her homeworld, the Scions. This is by Bill. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Neutral. Justice League of America number 23. The Queen of Fables gloats and shares her ultimate evil plan. Vixen returns like a boss, and we have another Alan Moore character making an appearance in the form of Promethea. This is by Tony. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Abstain. Suicide Squad number 34. The Suicide Squad and their newest member, Juan Soria, face off against an alien invasion. This is by Paul. He gave it one out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Thumbs down. Abstain. Doomsday Clock number three, led by the tale of Nathaniel Dusk. We follow the mime and the marionette as they finally get to play, and the comedian and Ozymandias go for a second round. Meanwhile, Batman gets to read Kovac's journal. Super Jessica, she gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. Secondary DC Universe books, The Flash number 39, Batman appears alongside the Justice League, while The Batman of China appears alongside the Chinese version of the League in the issue. Gotham City Garage number 8, which includes digital chapters number 15 through 16. The Gotham City Garage versions of Barbara Gordon and Poison Ivy appear in the issue. Moving over to January 31st, main TV books. We already talked about Detective Comics Annual number 1. Harley Quinn number 36, after being injected with the Man-Bat formula, Harley Bat battles against the gang of Harleys as the rest of the gang tries to locate the serum to free Harley and Tony from the effects of the serum. This is by David. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. I hope she makes it out alive. Abstain. There was no secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books. Dark Knight's Metal number five. Batman and Superman are placed in Hawkman's giant smelter while Diana is shot in the head. Then Truth punches Hawkgirl in the face as Barbados turns out the lights. You like this series? 
you just even listen to any of the words that just came out of your mouth? Well, that's specifically because Corbin has a lot of fun creating these little overviews. But anyway, he's not lying in any of this. Corbin gave this four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Corbin, you're sick. Abstain. And then uh, JLA Doom Patrol special number one. The Milk Wars event kicks off as we are introduced to Milkman. This is reviewed by Steve. He gave three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Too much milk. Uh, you know, I, I for the longest time, I thought this must be just a catchy little ad. But no, it's a real comic book. Abstain. Secondary DC Universe books, The Flash Annual Number 1, Dick Grayson appears alongside the Teen Titans as Robin as well as Nightwing in the issue. The Silencer Number 1, Ty Al Ghul, appears in the issue as the story focuses on a former member of Leviathan. And then as far as TBU trades and hardcovers that have released over the past three weeks, Anarchy, the Complete Series Trade Paperback, Nightwing Volume 4, Blockbuster Trade Paperback, Superpowers by Jack Kirby Trade Paperback, Checkmate by Greg Rucka Volume 2 Trade Paperback, the New Teen Titans, the Judas Contract Deluxe Edition hardcover, and DC Superhero Girls Date with the Disaster trade paperback. So that is everything that has released over the past three weeks. If you are interested in learning more about any of those individual issues that we gave ratings to, be sure to check out the website. We have uh, detailed reviews of all of those books, and if you are unable to purchase all of the books, you can keep up to date with all of the reviews that we have posted on the site. With that, that is all of the things related to reviews. We're going to jump straight into our listener Q&As, and we have a couple of different comments to go over. (laughs) Boy, did you get a wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please, don't! The first one comes from Ian. The problem I had with Secret Origin of Bruce Wayne is it feels way too much like Hush, as Ed says, and an episode of a cop TV show, Elementary, had basically the same plot six years ago. Plus, King always has the clues feel too arbitrary and goofy, so Batman doesn't feel like a really good detective. Interesting theory that Steph might kill Clayface, but I think that goes against her history, even her current bitter mindset. I have to say, I'm really invested in this Clayface story. It feels sort of like a mini-climax before we get the 25-issue lead-up to issue... Oh, dear. To issue 1000. Tanyan has done a really great job building all these threads together. Clayface, Cass, Steph, Tim, the colony, Kate. Everyone has a part, and it all leads to this confrontation. It does all lead to this confrontation, but I feel like there's even a bigger confrontation leading up that will just not have Clayface part of it because there's so much more going on with the colony, with Batwoman, with the individual members of the team. So there's definitely something much bigger here. Um, And quite honestly, I completely forgot about the secret origin of Bruce Wayne that... Because it was forgettable. Yes, it was It was forgettable. I'm sure it will pop up at some other point because Tom King doesn't have a tendency to do something without it reappearing at some other point. Unless he decides to just let it die like he does, like he did with Gotham Girl. But She's coming back. He, he just did an interview that said that that's like he left it open for a purpose. So she's coming back. And also she's been in Birds of Prey. Yes, that's true. She did pop up in Birds of Prey. Yeah. So, yeah, those are my comments on that. I mean, yeah, I I think that Detective, ever since the Rebirth reset, has been 
kind of what everyone hoped it would be, right? Like tons of Batman universe characters, lots of different strings, lots of different storylines, a little bit of spoiler, a little bit of Clayface, and more Azrael's needed. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Rude. <laughs> All right. Our next comment comes from Zach. Given that historically male writers are often unimaginative in writing female characters, are any of you concerned that with the Selena Bruce marriage will come the domestication of Selena? I feel as though there were indications of this in both Batman Annual 002 and Batman 038, where Bruce's alter ego lifestyle has been undeterred while Selena's independence is being confined to ooh, within the walls of Wayne Manor. I fear there is the assumption lingering that Selena will be the character who must relinquish her praxis, if the reunion will ever be successful. What must Bruce slash Batman sacrifice? I don't feel as though Tom King has begun to address this. I agree that Tom King has not addressed that whatsoever, um, and honestly, the way he has hinted at it it does seem like she's just basically staying back while he continues to go out on patrol and things like that. And really what would be more interesting, at least to me, is if she went on patrol with Batman occasionally. I, I mean, I love to see that aspect. Um, she doesn't have to do it all the time. And obviously as a villain, former villain, as a thief, she doesn't need, she doesn't go out every single night like he does to, you know, rip somebody off. So there's a reason why she's potentially just sleeping while he's going out. That's, she doesn't, she doesn't normally go out probably every single night. So there's that aspect of it. But the other part is, yes, I would like to see her go on patrol with him. You know, I'd like to see her, it would be really cool if we saw some interaction between her and her former siren friends um where like harley's kind of being portrayed as like an anti-hero right now in the pages of harley quinn justice league yeah and that yes she should be part of the justice league too come may but it would be interesting to see the care you know catwoman interact with these other ones or like to have something happen and that's entirely possible we know there's a poison ivy story coming up in the pages of batman and that could be what they're going for where poison ivy something happens with poison ivy batman's quick to i guess pass judgment which i don't feel like batman always tends to do but for the story aspect it'll probably be that batman is quick to pass judgment and say poison ivy's a threat Catwoman's like, no, wait, wait, she's not really that big of a threat. We could easily talk her down, and that could be exactly where they end up going. But I wouldn't mind seeing that. I wouldn't mind seeing something like that with Harley Quinn, because it would be interesting, especially since these these other characters that Selina has allied, allied herself with in the past, more recently, and I say this like more related to right before the New 52, she's allied herself with characters that more recently have been portrayed as anti-heroes or misunderstood characters. So it'd be interesting to see that relationship get shown and have her involved in that because she is on the good side of things now instead of on that gray in that gray area. Well, there's a couple things here. One, I think Selena's still wanted, not Catwoman, but Selena Kyle. We really never wrapped that up, did we? I mean... We got the evidence. No, yeah, we haven't wrapped it up completely, no. So, I mean, she can't just go walk around Gotham because she's, you know, wanted by everybody. And I think, the like you, Selena's not a crime fighter. Like, she's, I, I agree, having them out on patrol and stuff would be cool, but I think it's almost got to be like, she's got to be out there for a reason. She's not just, like you said, she's not going to be like, I'm bored, let's go bust up some muggers, you know? Like, she's just not that character. Um, I 
agree that this hasn't been fully dealt with in King's books, but I think if you were to diminish Selena's independence or diminish her character, um, would eliminate the whole point of having her married to Bruce Wayne. I mean, right? Like the whole point of the, the fact that Selena is that she's challenging, she's independent. And by taking those away, you you're, you're taking away the very core of the character of Catwoman. So I think that the, if he doesn't address it, he should just make sure he keeps her in character. And I think we saw a taste of it in that one issue where, Oh, it was the secret origin of Bruce Wayne, I guess where, you know, they were just sleeping side by side. And I think that might be the level because, you know, of all the people you are not going to be able to tame selena kyle so i i don't think that's going to happen but i think it's clear that they can have a relationship and uh do their own thing but also be together as well so i i think it'll be okay but i'll be the first to yell if um if it doesn't turn out that way all right our next comment comes from somebody i guess who's trying to pose as stella because their username is back old oracle sure yeah Oh, what a lovely person. This person says, how come no one has commented on the fact that Stella was right that Thor 3 beat Justice League at the box office? Yes, how come? Why? Remember I told you and you two were saying, no, Justice League's going to win? You were wrong. It was a low moment for the DCEU and, uh-huh. and it, it stings and you were right, but. Uh-huh. That's all I needed to hear. There you go. You win. And I will chime in and say, Stella, yes, you are right. I honestly did not see that happening. Not, not that I thought that Thor was going to do poorly, because honestly, the marketing, I, I haven't seen Thor yet. I do have a pre-order for the film once it comes out, though. But outside of that, specifically, I did not anticipate that Just League, being the collection of all of those characters, would have done as badly as it did. Especially coming off Wonder Woman, which did so well. You know, I just, I agree. But she's right. We're wrong. Okay. So, our final comment is Stella's reward, um, because it comes from Brett, who tends to love to give Stella a ton to talk about. So, we'll start off with the beginning of his, and we'll split up his questions one by one, since we've got some time. Hello again, TBU. It's been a while since my last confession. Oh, my. I'll keep it short, since no hosts other than Stella appreciate my topics of discussion. Even... Even though you have your highest rated and most listened to podcasts when I'm on. But I digress. I'm 90% confident that whenever I'm on the show, your true ratings are 10% to 35% higher. Anyway, short and quick, here we go. How can he tell that? I, <laughs> I wish I could tell that. <laughs> I want to know, too. I, I want to know like which co-hosts get the best airtime when on my own show. That'd be lovely. The main event is Doomsday Clock, and before you cut me off, it has Batman in it and is actually a main part of the most recent issue. Spoilers ahead, you've been warned. Here are my questions. Number one, Batman has a yellow bat symbol similar to the Earth-1 Batman. I know the Alfred we saw looks nothing like the Earth-1 Batman Alfred, and I know Doomsday Clock takes place a year in the future, but do you think the Watchmen characters landed in Earth-1? So, simple answer is no. Longer answer is it's been revealed online since that issue came out, and I, let me let me let me back up a little bit. Okay, so 
it's not that we don't want to talk about your topics. I, I want to make sure that's very clear. It's not that we don't want to talk about Doomsday Clock. Ed and I have both been enjoying Doomsday Clock. It's not that we don't want to talk about it. It's that sometimes when we're pressed for time, we can't dive into comments related to what we classify as DC Universe books and not Batman-specific books just because we just don't have the time. That being said, Doomsday Clock has been amazing. So I just want to point that out and say say that flat out before I get into this. But So getting to your question, your first question, uh, so the reason why he's wearing that, that logo with the yellow on the oval is actually because it's been revealed as uh, it was mentioned prior to the beginning of the series this series is taking place in the future of what the current continuity is. So everything that we're seeing in the pages of Batman is taking place well in, like, I think it, well, it's hard to say exactly when, but it would be like a year behind what's actually happening in Doomsday Clock. So the suit that we're seeing Bruce wear in Doomsday Clock is the suit he would be wearing when Doomsday when, when the issues catch up. So he will be going through a costume change. That will be happening. It's been confirmed online by Gary Frank, who did the issue, and it's not that it's Earth-1 versions of the character. So I just thought that since Gary Frank drew Earth-1 and Doomsday Clock, he was like kind of... I actually, when I read the issue, that's what I thought too. I, I really did. But then I saw it online, I was like, that is a little odd that that happened seems like somebody in editorial should have said something about that but hey what do i know i'm just the guy who's always complaining about editorial mistakes but hey hey my um, wife called this out to me she was like look at this it's the wrong bat signal that's what i was like i'm like yeah they they isn't that weird because we read comics have for like such a long period of time that you know like the newer readers my wife has been reading as long as we have she sees that and she's like oh it's this and i was like yeah they they screw up continuity all the time like you know editorial is not great at dc so missed one all right, next question. Number two, the, the comedian is back. Now, I'm not sure, but I think they may have had a funeral and everything for Eddie Blake in the original Watchmen series. My point is, how did they have a funeral for him or some physical body, but he also got teleported away? So, I'm guessing it's a separate timeline. I'm guessing that's what happened. So, when he got poofed away, there's a timeline in the Watchmen that keeps happening, but when he poofs away, it's Dr. Manhattan going back at that moment and getting him out. So the original Watchmen storyline doesn't get affected by the events of what happens by Dr. Manhattan messing with the timeline. I'm guessing that's the way they will explain it. And I was also thinking, too, that at some point Eddie Blake will die again and Manhattan will just poof his body back or make a separate body and drop it like i don't i don't think that johns would destroy the original story you know what i'm saying by taking it out of continuity does that make sense like i can't see him doing that Yeah, i don't see him doing that either so they'll do some mystical hocus pocus even if it's lame like oh i made a body made a cabbage you know and put it there for him like just so that there's no way they're gonna blow up the the watchman original story Manhattan can't create matter, so do you think the body we saw in Watchmen was just a made-up dead body of Blake, while the real Eddie Blake was transported to DCU? And, if you think Manhattan is capable of creating duplicates all willy-nilly, do you think it explains Eobard Thawne in the button, having his dead body laying in the Batcave but showing up an issue later in the Flash after all of that? 
So I, I'm not even going to touch that stuff right now uh, because I don't think it's a dead body. I don't think he's creating dead bodies. Like I said, I think it's just this alternate timeline. And the Eobard Thawne thing could also be explained by the alternate timeline as well. Number three. Ozymandias mentioned in issue one, Marionette having a child. We can only assume with mime. Point is, isn't it ironic that they land in the DCU and walk into a Joker bar? Here's the joke. Tell me what you think. A mime and a marionette walk into a Joker bar. Punchline, Joker's there, son. What do you think of that theory? Granted, only one of the three Jokers. Maybe the killing joke, Joker, but the characters have that Joker look to me. Obviously, the makeup, but even in the facial features. So, here's the thing. I wouldn't assume that Joker is their son, one of the three. And the funny thing is, when I originally read this comment, I thought to myself, no, that's not possible at all. Until I started thinking about when you said one of the three Jokers, and I thought to myself, well, isn't that interesting? Because I do recall somebody asking Scott Snyder, so when is this three Joker thing going to be addressed? And he specifically stated, that's not mine to touch, that's Jeff John's thing. So if that's Jeff John's thing, I would assume it's going to be popping up here because, I mean, I guess it could pop up somewhere after Doomsday Clock wraps up, but I'm going to guess it's going to pop up somewhere along the line in Doomsday Clock just because if there's three separate Jokers and we're assuming it's because there's three separate versions of characters with different timelines and messing with time it would you would assume it could pop up because of dr manhattan messing with time in doomsday clock that makes the most sense mime and marionette's child being one of the jokers i just don't see it i mean it's it seems a little too much on the nose yeah i don't i don't see it either maybe it's just because i'm still one of those people that is almost anti the Joker having an origin of any type. I have no idea what Jeff Johns is going to do with the three Jokers thing, but I don't think that... Listen, I might be wrong. It just doesn't seem like a, it would be that for me. Okay. Number four. After the big reveal of Rorschach's face, who are you leaning towards as to who he is? I'm going with the psychiatrist slash Malcolm Long's son. So uh, that's that's pretty much the theory that has gained the most traction online so i'm i'm out like if it's not the psychiatrist son i haven't the foggiest idea of who it is when he took the mask off i was waiting for some sort of reveal and i was like i don't know who this character is so it's not really a reveal to me but at the same time like the theory was out there i saw the theory online about it being the psychiatrist son from the original watchman i think that is entirely possible. I mean, I guess the only problem is, you know, how much time is actually taking place between the original Watchmen series and what's happening here with the characters from the original Watchmen series. That's my only thing. It doesn't feel like there's that much time that's passed in between. But, I mean, like, there's a couple years, but it doesn't feel like there's a ton of time. So, Osmodeus is still the most wanted person in the world, and it doesn't seem like it happened that long ago. Yeah, you said like I'm thinking like a year or so, maybe two, three on the outside. You know, I don't know. It does have to be someone who knows of Rorschach, though, because isn't that guy like he he has found his diaries and his journals and things? Yeah. So it's either the psychiatrist yeah. or it would be someone related to the journalist, because remember that was dropped off at the end of the original series. Like all of his journals and his writings was dropped off at that little rinky dink. 
newspaper place. Yeah, and that might be a better thing that nobody's really touched on is maybe that has something to do with it. I was hoping it was Renee Montoya somehow. Ray Montoya question. Oh, interesting. Because of the whole Rorschach, similar dress, mask. That's where I was kind of hoping it was going. Plus, that would be a super cool way to make her a major player in the universe again. Mm. Um, But I honestly, I'm only going on the psychiatrist son theory because I don't have a better one. You know, and mm-hmm. although celebrating of the journalism might lead us to go look at that, because like you said, Dustin, I don't know if there's enough of a time gap here. Yeah. All right. Last question. John Kent Superboy is Manhattan. I'd tell you more, but this theory uh, would take too long. Just read the last email where I had it all spelled out, but due to length, you skipped it. How dare you, Dustin? Anyways, thanks for the opportunity to email in and discuss the wonderful art form called comics. I hope this wasn't too long, but ultimately, I hope it sparked great conversation, which is the point of all my emails. So yes, great questions. I can't promise that we're going to talk about Doomsday Clock every time you send the stuff in, but... It's only going every other month now. I'm not. Yeah, that's true. It does suck. It's going every other month on top of having a month off. So the next issue we're going to see isn't until like May. So does that mean it's going to take? It will be next year at this point. We still won't be done, will it? No. Ugh. Because issue four is coming out in May. And then we go every other. And then they go every other month for the next eight issues left. So that's sixteen months. Oh boy. Yeah. From so. from May. Yeah, it's from May, so it won't even be done until almost the end of 2019. Assuming that there is no other delay. Now, they did say that it's possible that they could come, they, they could bring it back monthly after Gary Frank gets caught up, but I thought the whole point of delaying this as much as they did was so that there was plenty of time for them to do this. I really wish I understood a little bit more about how deadlines and stuff work. I understand that like some of these high-profile artists, they require more time. There's no debate on that. It's more of how they decide, hey, we're going to actually launch this in X month at this time and it'd be a monthly series instead of a bi-monthly series or, you know, whatever, however they release it. I really want to understand how they decide these things and then a couple months after they have to basically, you know, have an audible and say, hey, we got to do this instead. So it doesn't, doesn't seem like they have real deadlines at all. You know, it, it doesn't. I mean, for most of these issues, though, I mean, I, I will say this Batman and Detective Comics have never put out an issue late ever since the beginning of Rebirth. Um, um, but, you know, bringing this into Batman to close out for a second, does this mean we're going to get Earth One Volume Three, like what, 2027? Because Gary Frank's doing the art, right? <laughs> like, yeah, but the thing is, I thought he was doing the art for that like a while They announced that way before they announced Doomsday Clock, so I thought that would already been done, but I mean, like, there's no way he's working on both projects at the same time, so it's definitely, that's going to be put on hold, and that's probably why we heard something about, like, Grant Morrison talking about the Wonder Woman Earth One last year, he talked about that, they also talked about, you know, the Green Lantern, or there is the Green Lantern Earth One project and things, so they're probably going to be focusing on those other ones because... Johns and Frank are too busy to be doing the next volume for Batman. So, and there was a Johns interview I saw somewhere, and I, I can't remember where, but they asked him about it. And he's like, "Oh yeah, no, we're going to get back to that after Doomsday Clock." So I'm like, "Okay, so in a couple years, yeah." Which is bad because th- those Earth ones by him and Frank are really good. Yeah, they are. <laughs> all right, so that is all of our listener Q and As. That is uh, everything that uh, was sent in. 
Uh, you can send your questions or comments that you'd like us to read either by posting them on the podcast post over on the website, or you can email us at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net, as Brett has done, and I plug those into the website so that way we, we, we make sure we talk about those. So you can do that. Also, be sure to check out all the other things we have on the website, including news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and, of course, the comics. We have all kinds of original content. The Shipper Special's coming out. Yes, there's a couple of things that are coming out or just came out. If you have noticed, the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, we said at the beginning of the episode, this was episode 241. That's because episode 240 was a special episode we did. We talked about... Dark Knight Returns, The Last Crusade, which is an original graphic novel from a couple years ago. Um, we, that was a special episode we did last week, so be sure to take a look at that. I was joined by Ian and Don, and we talked about that issue. Also, take a look at Stella's podcast next week. She has her shipper yeah. special that's releasing on Valentine's Day. We have commentary for Batman Gotham by Gaslight that just released. There's also a review on the website of that film and a review of the original graphic novel from 1989, so you can check out all that stuff related to Gotham by Gaslight. There's all kinds of other stuff on the website. There's always reviews, posting Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Thursday, and Friday every single week, and there's all kinds of other content. There's new episodes of Bat Books for Beginners. Every week that we're not on, they have an episode, and then there's also new episodes of Bat Fans, Bruce Wayne's World, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake, so be sure to check out all of those. Also, if you're more interested in everything that took place at DC at DC in DC 2018, Josh put together a special that's over on the specials feed with all of the interviews that he did, and there's also a episode over on the Gotham Chronicle, specifically detailing all the stuff related to the Gotham TV series, which is coming back in March. So be sure to check all that stuff out. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube for all these news and videos from the Batman universe. Be sure to leave us reviews in iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. If you are so inclined to support us, be sure to head over to the website and look for the link for Patreon. You can support us on Patreon. You could donate just a dollar a month, and that will go far in supporting TBU and bringing more content to you every single month. So with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Admiral Ray Sloan. And you have been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.